quick reminder, we just went through John the Baptist's or John the Baptizer's farewell message as he was talking with some of his disciples and talking about Jesus, realizing and explaining to them that he needed to be less and Jesus needed to be more. And that's where we were last week. Before that, we talked about the popular verse of John 3.16. And before that, if you'll remember in the beginning of chapter 3, we, had, we were invited into a conversation between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. So today, as you heard, we're going to be interacting with the text that talks about Jesus and the woman of Samaria. We're going to go through this verse by verse and see if we can't learn some things or be maybe reminded of some things by this woman. John 4, verse 1. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John although Jesus did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. Right off the bat here, what is going on? We have to ask the question. Jesus learns that the Pharisees and the rulers find out what he's doing. And so he tucks tail and he runs. Now, like the same guy, chapter 1, created everything, word become flesh, tucks tail and runs because he's scared of the Pharisees. Nah, something else has to be going on here, right? Continually, we hear Jesus explain about his time not coming yet. It wasn't time for him to go to the cross yet. He had more ministry to do. And those Pharisees who have been investigating John and now Jesus, they were to find out what Jesus is doing. Again, they're going to move the events in a direction that's going to bring him to the cross quicker than he needs to be there. He doesn't need to be there yet again. Jesus works on God's timing, the Father's timing, not on ours, not on the Pharisees, not on anybody else. He's not scared. He's just saying, it's time to move on because I've got more work to do. Everyone tracking so far? Okay. So, Jesus learns about this. Now, this is uh, this little side note here in, in, in verse 2. Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. Um, again, we, get, we understand that the disciples, that baptism is extremely important. We understand that baptism is the way that we show our faith. Again, you could stand here and say, well, I'm a Christian. That's not how they do it in the New Testament. The way they say that they're a Christian or show that they're a Christian in the New Testament is they get baptized. That's the first step of obedience. Okay, So there shouldn't be categories of Christians who aren't baptized if they're able to be baptized because that shows that you have obedience to Christ. Okay, And again, that's something that we can do here. We can dunk you under the water. We can do it in here. We can do it out in the water. It doesn't matter. But if you haven't been baptized, just an encouragement. Um, we saw that Jesus himself was. We see that his disciples were. And they continued to baptize others. And so if you have questions about that, please come and ask about it. So he left Judea and departed again back to Galilee. You remember that he was there earlier. Now verse 4. And this is where it starts to get interesting. And he had to pass through Samaria. He had to pass through Samaria. Yes, where he was going, this is the most direct route. It's the shortest route. But there were other routes too. So there's some debate of, what does this mean that he had to pass through there? What's going on? Like, he had no other option? No, there were other options. 
And if you know anything about Samaria, maybe the Good Samaritan story, you know that the Jews and the Samaritans, they don't get along. There's issues there. It's actually in 2 Kings where we find out where these people actually come from. They're kind of known as a mixed breed. A mixed breed, because what happens was after the captivity, they were sent into Samaria. They were these Jewish people who were sent into Samaria by the king during this captivity. And what happened was they started to marry those who were not Jewish. Do you remember? Is that a good thing in the Old Testament? No, that's not a good thing. Because what happened was they got married to those who were not Jewish and ultimately were not worshiping the true God. And so then they began to worship other gods. It always, pretty much always goes that way. That's why, as I've said before, we don't do dating evangelism here. We don't try to date somebody hoping that they're going to become a Christian. If you're a believer, you date and marry a believer. So that way you two can follow Jesus together, not hoping that I can change him. Especially some of our younger people need to hear that. The Jews would commonly go around Samaria because of those unclean people, those half-breeds, those people that they hated, that they warred with. They would go another direction. But what's interesting is the text says Jesus had to go that way. I want to submit to you this morning that Jesus had to go that way. Yes, it was a more direct route, but I think he had to go that way because of this lady at the well. Does Jesus know that there's this lady at the well, do you think? Yes, Yes, he knows that there's a lady at the well. He knows the conversation he's going to have. He knows the timing on this. There are no accidents with God. Don't buy into the fact that people think that God messes up. Never. Well, God doesn't know things. He knows everything. Jesus knows he has what I like to call a divine appointment waiting. With this lady, and from her we're going to see what happens with this whole town. So Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Verse 5. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, Sychar again. What do I like to say? Say say these places confidently and say them quickly and nobody's going to know the difference anyway. Right? You did a great job, Miss Brenda. That's a great job. Right? If I, again, just as a reminder, if I'm reading this and it's, so he came to the town of Samaria called Sychar. You guys are like, okay, great. Uh, he came to the town of Samaria called Sychar near the field, right? You, we don't know the difference. Don't worry about it. Near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Now remember, this is taking us back. We should be familiar with our Old Testament enough to know who Jacob is. He's the same one that worshiped God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel for the Israelites. We've already talked about, if you remember in John already, he's introduced us a little bit to Jacob in particular, his what? Does anyone remember? Tall thing? Angels going up and down it? What was it? The ladder. We already said that Jesus is is better than Jacob because he's the actual ladder. Okay, well now Jacob's getting brought up again to us here. Jacob had given to his son Joseph... Verse 6, Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. One thing that's interesting is we actually don't hear mention of Jacob's well in the Old Testament. This is just information that letting us know. 
where this is. And this well still exists today. You can go visit it if you want to. But here's the point of verse 6. Look, so Jesus wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was the sixth hour, roughly around noon. He's sitting beside the well. Do you remember Jesus, chapter 1, creator of everything? The Word who became flesh, all things were made by him, through him, right? For him. He's tired. He's tired. I have a lot of conversations with you, many of you, and you tell me that you're tired. Can you just be encouraged for a moment that your Savior got tired? It's okay to be tired. It's actually how we're made. We're supposed to get tired. We're supposed to get tired so that we rest, and in particular, so that we rest in God. This shows the humanity of Jesus. This shows us that he really was human, not just pretend, and that he understands you. When you just say, Jesus, I'm just so tired. He says, I know that. I understand that. I can identify with that. But here's the other thing that some of you don't do well. Jesus sat down to take a break. Some of you just keep going and going and going and going and going and going. And I need you to rest some. The Sabbath day is a gift to us. It's a gift. It's a day of rest, a day of worship. Some of you are going so much, and maybe physically you're going all the time, but a lot of you are going all the time mentally. And you need to take some time to rest in your Savior's arms. We need to learn to rest well, because when we don't rest well, here's what we're ultimately saying. I've got to do it. I've got to handle it. If I don't handle it, it's not going to get done. And ultimately, that's a trust issue. A bit of a pride issue and a trust issue. God's got it. Do you really believe God has things under control? Do you really believe He is sovereign? Do you really believe He is good? If He is, rest. Make sure that you rest physically, spiritually, emotionally. Make sure we're getting rest. Does that make sense? Everyone tracking with me so far? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, he goes in and he rests by this well about noon. This is important. John includes things. There's things in the text that's important that it's noon. Why is it important? Verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. I don't know if you've ever had a well that you had to go draw water from. If you've ever lived in a context where that's happened. If you have, you're going to know that noon is not the day you go do or the time of day you go do it. Unless you absolutely had to. Do you know when you go? Early morning and the evening. What else is interesting if you've ever lived in a context like we did in Africa, one woman doesn't go alone. They go in groups together. It's kind of when they have their social time. Go together and get water. <laughs> Miss Dee Dee, Miss Barbara would love this. This is kind of the time to catch up on your gossip. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. 
Just seeing if they're listening. It's, it's the time when you're really going to learn about what's going on in each other's lives. How are you doing? What's happening? What's going on? She doesn't have that. She's going in the middle of the day by herself, which should immediately tell us there's something off with this situation. There's something off. But it so happens that Jesus is just sitting there at that time. Remember those coincidences we like to talk about? It just so happens. Not under the sovereign hand of God. This is his providence. So the woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Again, not too concerning if Jews did go that way, they could go to the city and buy food. Again, most of the time they thought the whole city, that whole area was unclean. But food, they're at least somewhat willing to buy if they have to. So Jesus is out here by himself. Look at her response, verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Two things are standing out there. One, the whole Samaria-Israel thing happening here. That shouldn't even... What's going on here? But she, she knows, apparently he's a Jew, by the way he's dressed, what's going on. You shouldn't be doing that. And then, one-on-one, man and woman, that's not part of the cultural norm. Jesus shouldn't be talking to her. She's saying, this is, this is inappropriate. Now, this is out in the open. Jesus isn't worried. And what's interesting is Jesus doesn't bow down to the norms of cultures necessarily. He's above them. Okay? So, she's asking, hey, what's going on here? You shouldn't even be talking to me. And I love how John helps us with this. A woman of Samaria, four Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. In case you, did, you weren't familiar with the backstory, John gives it to you. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She's confused. She's about to get real confused. But remember for a second here, as he's talking to this woman that nobody else seems to really want to be friends with, don't forget the conversation he had with Nicodemus. Don't forget the conversation he had with Nicodemus as they were talking about things, okay? Just keep that in the back of your mind. Listen to what what goes on here. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? She doesn't understand what he's talking about yet, does she? Not yet. She's thinking of the physical. He's beginning to teach her about the spiritual. Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Those of you who've been here, what's the answer to that? Are you greater than Jacob? Yeah, he is actually. And listen to how he answers it. This is great. Watch. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Oh yeah, your great well that you're talking about that Jacob gave you, you drink there, you're going to get thirsty again. Look what he says. The water that I give him will become in a spring. I'm sorry, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Pretty easy to see. That's a better water. So Jesus right now is answering her, oh yeah, I'm better. I'm better than Jacob. Why? I can offer something 
that will quench your thirst. Verse 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Congregation, do we remember what eternal life is? What is eternal life? Tell me, feed me. Good. Knowing God and knowing his son whom he sent. He's saying that the water I give brings you that. She still doesn't understand. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty. If it stopped there, you would think she's getting it spiritually. She's like, yes, give me this water. I don't want to thirst any longer. Spiritually speaking, but that's not what she means. Finish the sentence. Or I have to come here to draw water. I don't want to have to continually do this. So give me this water. She doesn't quite understand what he's talking about. So he's going to switch gears a little bit on her. And he's going to make it spiritual. Doesn't God have a way of doing that with us? We want to kind of keep some things away a little bit. And he knows right where to press in and say, let's get real about this. I'm going to press into your heart and we're going to make this spiritual. So Jesus does this. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, all right, go call your husband and come here. It's an interesting direction to go with the conversation. How in the world does Jesus know about this? Again, it's showing that he knows all things. The woman answered him, well, I have no husband. She's not wanting to talk about that conversation, is she? How many of you don't want to talk about that? I'm talking about the deep thing inside that you have that the Lord wants to deal with. And you're like, "Mm mm-mm, that stays over there. I don't deal with that. That's the deep down stuff that nobody gets to see. That's the exact stuff that Jesus wants to talk about. Because again, he wants all of you. He wants all of you, and he wants all of you. The stuff that nobody else knows, he already knows it, and he's wanting you to deal with it. And he's saying the same thing to her. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. She gave a half-truth. You ever do that? You ever do that when somebody's asking you how things are going? You're reading God's Word? How are you doing with that sin? How's this going? You asked me to pray for you. I'm praying for you about that. How's it going? Yeah, it's, you know, yeah, in, in the Word of God. No, no. What are you reading? What's Jesus teaching you? What have you read? Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm studying the Word every day. Loving it. Love the Joy FM. I listen to a song on the way. There's a Bible verse in the song. That's my Bible reading. Purposely trying to put up these defenses because we don't want to expose who we really are or what's really going on deep inside. And again, what did we learn just a few weeks ago about the light and the darkness? Those who love Jesus, where are we going to put everything? Right in the light. Those who don't, we like to keep it over in the darkness. And even though we're believers, there's times that we still want to, oh, that doesn't need to be in the light. Roy ain't going to like me if he hears that. Tracy ain't going to be my friend. Oh, but if we understand what the family of God is supposed to be, a bunch of sinners saved by grace who are for each other and not against each other, then I can come and share these with you. And you can pray for me and keep me accountable. And we can walk through this life together. 
And remember, Jesus already knows all this. Why not confess it to him? Why not get it out there so that way you don't have to be in bondage to it anymore? Okay? Let's keep working through. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Apparently, she's been married multiple times. We don't know if this is a divorce or you know they've died. We don't know all the details, but we do know that the one that she's with now not her husband, not appropriate. And Jesus point, talks about the one thing that cuts her to the heart, and it's actually probably the reason she's at the well alone at noon. Most likely, this is why. And that's what he wants to talk with her about. He wants to handle the things that are deepest inside of us so we can heal from them and we can be united together and united to him. That's what he wants to do. <clears throat> Verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. <laughs> this just jumps out at me. It's kind of something interesting. You saw she was interacting with him at first. What are you doing asking me for water? Now he's starting to get a little more in-depth with her. Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Don't really know what she's doing. Is she just trying to cover up this sinful situation with spiritual talk? You ever done that? You ever done that where people are asking you different things or you know it's time to share something and then you start quoting Bible verses that have nothing to do with the scenario? Start talking about other things because why? You don't really want to deal with it. I think that's what she's doing. She may have some genuine questions though. Verse 20, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say... That in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. She wants to get into a theological discussion. See, what happened, these people settled here. Again, like I said before, they were the Jewish people, they settled. They had uh, marriages with these other people there, and they started worshiping false gods. And there was a mountain there, one of the mountains that the blessings were told to Israel. And they say, this is the mountain we're supposed to worship on. And they even built a temple. This is the place. And then that temple was destroyed, and they still did their sacrifices there, which included child sacrifice. This is the place. We're saying we should worship here. They would believe the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the the Samaritans. They wouldn't believe the rest of the Old Testament. But what's interesting is, obviously, the Israelites, they had the full Old Testament. So they knew more of the promises of God. So she's saying, is it on this mountain where we've been sacrificed? But you're saying it's on this mountain over in Jerusalem where the temple is. Which one is it? That's where she's going. And Jesus is going to give her an aus- a lesson today. Verse 21, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. This is an interesting statement here. How is salvation from the Jews? God's chosen people in the Old Testament, but in particular, who is it that comes from the Jewish people? Who is it? Jesus. That's how salvation comes from the Jews. Ultimately, it's the message coming from them about the Messiah who came from them, but it's then opened up to everybody, including the half-breed enemies of Israel. Do you remember the story of Ruth? The Moabite, not one of God's people. She became one of God's people. Same thing's kind of happening here. 
You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Verse 23. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers... Real quick, this is for you this morning. Find out if you're a true worshiper right now. Listen carefully. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. How do true worshipers worship? Let me hear. There's two words. What is it? Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. Now, do you remember the conversation with Nicodemus? And he's talking about the kingdom of God and he wants to get into the kingdom of God. What does he have to be? What does anyone who wants to see the kingdom of God have to be? Born again. Born Born of the Spirit. You have to have the Spirit of God. He's saying the way true worshipers are worshiping is they have the Spirit of God, which ultimately means there's a connection. It's a spiritual thing from God that happens inside of us. We get His Spirit. You're going to worship with in spirit and truth. There's a lot of people, and some of you may be here today, but you definitely know people who say, I'm spiritual. I'm such a spiritual person. I've got these crystals, and they do this and that for me. I'm not saying there can't be rocks that help you in pain. They show me certain things. I go out and I just, I worship the stars. I worship nature. I'm really connected. I feel one with the universe. I'm very spiritual. Guess what? There's a lack of truth there. You don't worship the way you think you should worship. You don't get to worship God how you're like, oh, this is how I think I should worship God. Guess what? He's showed you how he wants you to worship in his word. It's not a mystery. It's not this hidden thing. He's revealed to us how we're to worship, and we come to him through Christ. People say, well, I I go to God another way. There's no other way. What does Jesus say? I'm the way. When you make a statement like, I'm the way, that means there's no other way. We worship on God's terms, not our terms. The way we worship is the way he desires us to. It's to be done in spirit and truth. There are some people out there who are all truth, but they don't have the spirit. You ever met those people? Those beat you with the Bible, and they don't understand anything of grace or love because they've never tasted grace or love. It's both spirit and truth. Which one are you? Do you worship in spirit alone? Do you worship in just truth? Or are you a true worshiper of God where you worship in spirit and truth? God is actually seeking for these people to worship him. Verse 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, All right, well, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all these things. What does he say to her? Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. He just said that he's the Messiah. Again, in Jerusalem, with all the Pharisees and everyone around there, he's not having this conversation the same way. He lets other people say things. But out here with this woman that most of her town has rejected, at noon, when he's tired, he's by the well, and he's telling her, I'm the Messiah. Do you know how much love that is? He had to go through Samaria to get to her. It's beautiful. Last couple of verses. Just then his disciples came back. They kind of interrupt the situation. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. 
But the disciples are learning. But no one said, what do you seek? Why are you talking with her? They just kept their mouths quiet. Learning from the Master. So the woman, look at this. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? What did she go to the well to get that day? She went to get water. What did she leave after encountering Jesus at the well? That's how Jesus wrecks your world. That's how he flips everything around. The one thing that you're there to get when you see him, I got to go tell somebody, and you leave it at the well. She's so excited. Now again, this woman that's alone at 12 in the afternoon is now going to run into the town and tell everybody. And what does she say? He told me everything I ever did. What do you think the people's reaction when they heard that? We know a lot of what you've done. (laughs) Hear me. He knows everything you ever did. He knows everything about you. And he still wants to meet with you at the well. That's love. That's love. They went out, last verse, they went out of the town and were coming to him. Next week we're going to pick up the story here. If you're not a believer today, there's steps that we actually see this woman go through. Maybe this is you. She didn't know him at all, number one. She didn't know him. Didn't know who he was. She started talking with him and she made judgments about Jesus. Just one of those Israelites. She started to learn a little bit more and she started to open up. And then she believed in the Messiah. And this thirst, not the physical thirst, but the spiritual thirst that she had, she was realizing that it could be quenched. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, that can happen for you. That thirst can be quenched by the Spirit of God being inside of you. So if you're not a believer, that's your response today. Very easy. Cry out to God. If you are a believer, remember that you didn't know him at one point. You probably made some judgments about him. You started to learn some more and you knew he was important. And then at one point you believed in him and you're continuing to believe in him. The encouragement to you is you shouldn't be thirsty. But can we be honest? Are there any times that you kind of feel a little bit thirsty? What's interesting is you have this living water inside of you. You have the spirit of God that's always available to you. But you've got to take a drink. You've got to take a drink. The encouragement for you today is worship Him in spirit and in truth and that thirst will not be there. If you've never worshipped Him before, if you've never believed in Him, worship Him in spirit and truth, then you do that today. That's the responses. Let's pray together. And Roy's going to come up. And during the altar call time, again, yes, you can believe in your seat. If you've never believed on Jesus, you can do that from your seat. But a lot of times, it's more helpful to get up and drag yourself down to the front and make a proclamation that you're believing in Jesus today.
If that's not where you're at, but you want to spend some time down here at the altar, you want to pray, asking God to show you, to quench that thirst, to help you, you can do that as well. But let's pray, and then we'll have our invitation song. Father, we love you, and we do thank you for the fact that we are able to worship you in spirit and truth because you've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us your word. Jesus, you are the truth. I pray now that anyone in here who does not know you, they've never truly worshipped you, Lord, I pray that they would cry out to you right now as Lord and Savior and begin that journey of worshipping you in spirit and truth. Lord, for all those who are in here who have been following you for a long time or a short time, Lord, but we find ourselves, because we neglect worshipping you in spirit and truth, we rely on a five-minute prayer and maybe a Bible verse we read on Facebook to fill us. Lord, help us to worship you in truth so that that thirst doesn't, doesn't come because we have the Spirit and we have this well of living water inside of us. Help us to tap into that. Lord, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.